I, I, I do bring what I call six promises. Um, and, and, and the six promises that I talk about for leaders, uh, learn to look for judge goodness and harmony in people, in society, and in the events around you. Um, grasp the essence of every decision in your life or career. Create meaningful relationships, adding value and substance in your organization or those around you. Your words matter. Wise leaders understand political powers. Foster practical wisdom in others. And with that, these are promises that I make to you. So let me talk to you guys really quickly before the episode begins. If you are growing a brand, if you are owning a business, running a business, if you are anywhere in the entrepreneurial space, you understand that the future is online. The big problem that a lot of brand owners, a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of healthcare entrepreneurs are finding is that they have to be able to figure out a lot of their marketing, right? The sales process, they have to be able to figure out um, their SEO stuff. They have to be able to figure out a ton of stuff when it comes to online marketing, and they may not have the bandwidth nor the resources to do that. So why am I telling you guys about this today? On January 16th, 2021, it's a Saturday. We um, are holding a masterclass. Carl and myself are holding a masterclass about online marketing. Now, here's the kicker. We currently run a digital agency um, firm, and we've you know seen a lot of success, but we understand that a lot of our clients had to pay top dollar. A lot of people have to pay the top dollar to be able to get a lot of these services, and it may not be available for everybody. So what we decided to do is we put together this masterclass where we're literally going to give everything. This is not that 10%. This is not 20% of the information that you need. We're giving you 100% of information, whether it comes to Facebook ads, Google ads, SEO, funnels, sales, being able to make sure that your stuff doesn't get banned, being able to make sure like, you know, going through how do things get viral? How do things catch on? We're going to give you all the secrets for the low price. Get this for the low price of only $297. That's it. Only $297 at the time of this episode. So just because I mentioned that price, even though I know it's going to go up later, but if you are listening to this right now, you can go onto the website and sign up, right? So the website is otcupodcast.com backslash OMS, right? otcupodcast.com backslash OMS. Or you can click the link down in the show notes below, or you can uh, message us on Instagram to get the link, or you can text us. You can text us at 321-384-6275. That is 321-384-6275. Text the letters OMS and we'll make sure we get you the link. Listen, you do not want to miss this. This is going to be the event of January. This is going to be the ticket to, you know, your online marketing lessons that you need when you start the new year. Don't let now be the time where you let your business start to falter because you're not catching up with everybody else. The future is online, online and so are you. Text us at 321-384-6275. We'll send you the link. Get signed up today. We have a limited amount of seats. When I say limited, I mean limited. Once they're filled, they are filled. So get signed up. We'll see you in there soon. We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This 
is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carl Boyne Jr. And I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. Hey, what's up? I'm happy to be here. It's a good day. All right. And without further ado, you guys know we love to bring you amazing guests to give you a ton of value. This episode is no exception. And I'm really excited for this one because we got a we got a powerhouse in the building. So without further ado, I do want to go ahead and introduce Mr. Dan Polino, who's an author, um, an educator, a leader, uh, co-founder of Everyone Matters. He's been on uh, Dr. Oz. He's been on BBC, Bloomberg, CNN. He's been all over. And now he's here with OTC. So Dan, thank you so much for joining us. How you feeling? You know, I thought I had been all over, but I hadn't been with the two of you, so I'm feeling really good. <laughs> we're, we're honored. We're honored, Dad. Thank you. Thank you. So we like to be respectful of your time, you know, so let's, let's just hop right into it. Tell us, there's a lot that you have done, but how did you get your start in the healthcare industry? How was that? Well, thank you very much. And thanks again for having me. Seriously, I'm, I'm thrilled to be with the two of you today and with your listeners. So uh, I, I'm a behavioral science guy. So I worked for IBM for 36 years. Um, most people think of IBM not only looking to do brand challenges. We helped put a man on the moon. It's a big tech company. And uh, I'm a behavioral guy. So I, I wasn't necessarily a tech guy. And so people would hire me, uh, the business, to run big businesses to think about new ways to create value. And I got my start in healthcare when the uh, then CEO and president of the company, Sam Pomisano, uh, asked me if I would run our healthcare and life sciences business. And, uh, and he did that because he said, look, this thing's going to change a lot. We need someone that's kind of a change agent and will think about it differently. And uh, so I had been running other parts of IBM, and he asked me if I would do that globally and uh, started right around 2000. It was a great ride, and I retired after 36 years uh, with IBM. Okay. Uh, first of all, you're really amazing. All right. Um, I'm pretty sure the listeners can already tell. Um, so you kind of explained, you know, how being a behavioral sciences guy, you got put in the position to be able to do that at IBM, right? But how did you position yourself um, to be impactful um, in your eyes uh, in healthcare without needing the title of like doctor or some other healthcare worker? Yeah, what a great question that is. And, and I was very fortunate. I surrounded myself with some just really smart people. Um, and uh, not only within IBM, but people that I had um, worked with and people that I knew in the healthcare industry. I'll tell you a very personal story. So I, I get this call from the chairman of the company, uh, Sam Pomisano. He says, Dan, we want you to go run this uh, this pretty big business, global business uh, promotion for you and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was the first person that they had asked to do this job that was not a doctor. So to your very, very point. So I called one of my best friends. You know, we all have these best friends, right? We grew up with and stuff like this. So uh, best buddy, uh, Chris Dangler, and he, he's a doc. Actually, he's a doc in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina and uh, very successful. And I called him up and said, hey, Chris, you know, what do you think? IBM wants me to do this uh, this job. And Chris knew a lot about my background and how I would think about things. 
And he says to me, he says, hey, Dan, you know, if us docs were so smart, we wouldn't be in this mess we're in. We need someone like you to help us rethink how we deliver healthcare and uh, create some value here. And so with uh, Chris's uh, strong voice giving me confidence, I accepted the job and then surrounded myself with really smart people. We really uh, thought differently about healthcare. We decided to put the patient in the middle and uh, we recognized the role of the hospitals. Uh, we recognized the role of the insurance companies, pharma, et cetera. But we started to talk about patient-centered care and the idea of taking technology, electronic medical records, communications, telehealth, et cetera, and focus that all around the patient. And, uh, and we realized then that we can make a difference by providing the infrastructure and helping systems come together, doing that level of integration. And the, the, the people that benefited the most were actually us, the, the patients, the consumers, the individuals. And, uh, and with that, we, we kind of changed a lot about healthcare uh, through that. And we talked about that in the book. So then I, I want to ask you, because you mentioned IBM, you know, you mentioned your history with them, working with them for 36 years. Now, in what ways did your experience working with IBM translate into you being able to then branch off and create your own business and everyone matters? Well, uh, first of all, with IBM, you, you learn to be a systems thinker, a critical thinker. You, you think about grand challenges and you have access to world-class people and do different things. And so you, you have a platform to, to make a difference. And um, so when I was uh, having the role that I, I had, I was speaking to many different groups uh, along the way. And uh, I had a chance to fundamentally think differently about healthcare. And, uh, and by putting the patient in the middle and having those kind of conversations with people, I kind of earned the right to have the conversation I'm about ready to share with you. And that is when I would speak to people about what we were doing and how we could change healthcare and have that level of, of change conversation, I would end all of my speeches and conversations with the same thought. And that was, I would ask people, why do we do what we do? Now, when I first asked that questions of people, they would give me this, 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 the stare of the, I'll say Michigan dairy cow. I usually say Wisconsin dairy cow, but your partner there, he's up in, in Michigan, but I would get this stare of the dairy cow, you know, and be like, what's this guy talking about? You know, why do we do what we do? And then I would answer the question. I said, why do we do what we do? Because everyone matters because everyone matters. And so it wasn't long after that I would be out and having conversations and people would invite me to come speak and, and do some of the work on television, et cetera, to reach different audiences. And I would then ask people the same question. Why do we do what we do? Well, because everyone matters. And when you think about healthcare, that's what we need to do. We need to have a system that takes care of everyone. Everyone matters here. It, we shouldn't leave anyone behind and we should not leave healthcare at the doorstep of the emergency room. So we need to move from, from sick care to well care. We need to be able to ensure that everyone, uh, whether above or below the poverty level, no matter what their age level is, that everyone should have access to care and we should have a system that does. And when we look at the best performing systems around the world, 
we saw that they all offered care, the front door of care. You see in the US, we, our, our, our first dollar of care, we only spend five cents on well care, 5%. The countries that perform better with healthcare and provide better healthcare for their, their citizens, they spend 14 to 20 cents of the first dollar on, on primary care and well care and the front door of care. And you see therein lies the challenge where we have to start educating people and having literacy and having healthcare meet people at the right place. Whether it's at a, a, a Walmart, whether it's a telehealth, whether it's an urgent care, but we've got to start thinking about how we bring healthcare to the patient and we help the patient with health literacy and they can then help their children have a different level of literacy around health care than, than maybe we had from, from when we were growing up. And, and so the idea of Everyone Matters came from this passion and this commitment to make a difference for people, believing that we could make a better system out of what we were doing with healthcare, believing that we could center it around the patient, believing that we could bring that type of care to the front door of care as opposed to the emergency room of care. And out of that came the company, Everyone Matters. We brought out the book, Trusted Healers, and uh, we have a website, everyonemattersonline.com, where you can follow me and see where we're going to be and see what we're talking about. So thank you for that question. But you can see the passion and the commitment and the reason that we created Everyone Matters, especially around healthcare, citizen-based services, and ensuring that everyone has equal opportunity to have access to care. I, I want to ask you a question um, that's kind of like a sub-layer um, to what you just said. And, um, you know, you mentioned that we, we need to be able to have those conversations, right? And we need to be able to have it to a point where people can go home and be able to dispense that knowledge. But on the flip side, I have to ask, what does that actually look like, right? And I ask it because, you know, growing up, I mean, just healthcare as a whole just seemed like this thing where I got sick, went to the doctor, but I had absolutely no yeah. idea what was happening, right? And then right. as we became adults, like, holy crap, you know, got co-pays, all these things that kind of complicate the process. So how do we actually go through the process of having those conversations to be able to start fixing the issues that we're dealing with? Well, let me, let me give you three things to think about here. That's a really good question. So first of all, let me share with you the type of care that I believe that we should all look for. And it's the idea of patient-centered care in a, in a medical home, not a home where you live, but the concept that where your data resides, that you have teams that are helping you. So in the past, the situation that you mentioned was sort of like the wild, wild west where, you know, there, you'd fill out a, a clipboard of information. There'd be a knock on the door. Somebody come in, you, you, you receive the prescription and, and, and then the, the doc or news, they were gone. They were, they were gone and you didn't continue a relationship there. So sort of like a cowboy or a cowgirl riding into town and saying, hey, how are you today? And then, you know, gone. And by the way, they, they were trying to give you the best care that they could and what they were trying to do. And a lot of that was a challenge of how many people they were seeing and trying to give care. What we're looking for is to follow that same kind of analogy. We are in the race of our life. We are like a NASCAR. We are like a Formula One race car in the race of our life. And what we want is a pit crew. 
a pit crew made up of RNs and PAs and primary care and specialists that are, that are talking to us. You got to come in and get your physical, time for your mammogram, time for your colonoscopy, time for your flu shot. They know what our comorbidities are. They know our family history. So they're aware of what might be drug-to-drug interactions, et cetera. And that data is in the medical home, in the infrastructure. And these doctors and nurses and these RNs, they pet PAs, they talk to each other. And it's sort of like we are that race car in the race of our life. And they call us in when they need us. If we need to change a tire or go in and have some kind, but we're back out you know, running that race of our life, of, of, of going there t- towards that finish line and adding value to our families, into our communities and into the work that we do. And we deserve that. We need that. And that's what we should look for is that kind of pit crew of, of, of healthcare. And that's in a medical home. That's in what we talk about in Trusted Healers. And that concept of having that pit crew wearing the same colors, those, the colors of your car. And that will help all of us. And that's what I hope people will, will look for. So that's the kind of care that you want to have. And then we need to make sure that everyone has access to care where they can pay for it. And, and so there's different ways that we pay for health care. And we can talk more about what that looks like and going forward. And then we need to give to the next generation that follows us health care literacy. We need to talk to what's your blood pressure, what's your cholesterol, what's your BMI, uh, how you doing with understanding your stress levels, no nicotine. Don't let these kids vape and stuff like that. That's not good stuff. You have to have a primary care doctor. Are you up to date on your flu shot? These are the things that we need to be talking about within our families and then eating well and, and looking at mental and behavioral health as well as physical health and helping all of us um, and, and reaching out to the people that we care about and helping them have that type of literacy. So definitely look for the type of care that I'm talking about where you're in the race of your life. There's different ways to pay for it. We can talk more about that. And then the, the, the final aspect of this is um, being able to have that literacy conversation with your family and, and being able to go forward in that, in that direction. And I think those three things can help people think about, uh, better care and better health care. I love that, Dan. I love that for so many reasons, especially because one of the one of the most critical things that I have been learning as I've been going through my schooling in in in, in physical therapy is that one of the most powerful things you can do for your patient is be able to give them proper education. And even with my interactions that I've had in the clinic, there are a lot of times when you talk to a patient about what it looks like when you're coming in with, you know, past injuries or, or pre-existing conditions, other comorbidities, and you kind of break it down to them in a way that they understand how they got up to that point and they understand what are some of the things they can do to kind of put their health, you know, in their own hands. And so I think that's such a critical thing because uh, a lot of times, even I'd say uh, some of my professors, you know, one of the things that they try to instill in us is that, yes, you do want to get your patients back to optimal function. Yes, you do want, you do want to rehabilitate your patients. But one of the most important things is to be able to put your patient in a position where they don't look at you as a crutch. They just look at you as a medium to help them be able to take the driver's seat, you know? So I think that's so important what you said. And it, 
makes me want to transition into this next question. So you've had, you've had a lot of success, you know, in, in the healthcare world and in industry, being able to put out your message and, and being able to kind of change the way and challenge the way that we should think about the patient care model. And so something that I want to ask you just in regards to healthcare is what would you say are the three biggest issues that need to be addressed right now? And how do you think we can kind of overcome those? Well, the, the, the three things that I would offer to you, the first we just got done talking about, which is this healthcare literacy piece, which is teaching your family how to eat right, um, how, how they're motivated, getting them to move, the physical activity aspect, um, how they're mentally stimulated as well. Uh, and being able to do that. And I believe that there's a calling for um, us that are of one generation to uh, have that be the gift to the generation that's below us. And what we know is that it, it takes a while. It, it takes a while. It's not a one and done. It's just like, you, you know, in, in physical therapy, you need to see somebody multiple times before they not only get better, but before they really get a hang of it in what you're asking them to do so they, they can get better. So the first thing definitely uh, is, is education for our families and this idea of how we come together as a, as a family unit and, and people we care about. So that's the first thing I would offer to you. The second, I do believe we have to do a better job as a society of ensuring that everyone gets care on the front door of care as opposed to the emergency room. And we can do things to help here. Uh, we can raise the poverty level to, to ensure that the uh, underserved are not necessarily underserved in health care, that they can actually get the right kind of care that we should have. Uh, we can also lower the age of Medicare. So the new president-elect, that's one of the things he ran on, was the idea that we would drop the, the, the age for Medicare uh, from 65 to potentially 60 and be able to do that. There was even conversation of a public option. We'll see whether or not that goes forward. But there's things from a policy side that we can do to, to ensure that people do get treated the way we want them to be treated, in the role of a primary care, in the role of a, a medical home. Uh, and in the book, we talk about Dr. Paul Grundy, who's the godfather of the medical home, and, and what he has to say about that and how important that, that is. And then the last thing that, that I would offer to you is that we need to have a system of care that's the continuum of care, that you're in a, a system where the information about you is readily available to all of the caregivers that are going to see you. So, for instance, that if, if my back's bothering me and I, I, I see a back doctor, that information is readily available to you as the PT that's helping me think about that. And that what you asked me to do goes back to the doctor and also goes back to the primary care doctor. And this includes mental and behavioral health issues as well. And with uh, Patrick Kennedy, Congressman Kennedy, who's been the leading advocate around mental and behavioral health, we, we changed things there. We, we had the electronic medical record now have physical and, and mental information about it. We, we ensured that people were able to be compensated appropriately from their insurance companies to, to be able to do that. And the whole idea of checkup from the neck up, and, and that's what we were doing with Dr. Oz. We were bringing that mess message of checkup from the neck up and and how we go forward and knowing your rights and ensuring that we treat mental and behavioral health the same way we treat physical health. And I think those are the, 
three things that I, I would offer to you um, in response to your question and where we can make a difference. You've mentioned um, a book, and um, I think it would be a disservice if we did not go into it right now. Um, so in this book that you wrote, um, what would you say would be the three or the big points in it, right? Um, you know, we talked about it previously, but if you could just kind of break it down for us, what are the- Yeah, let me show you what points? it looks like. So that's it. It's Trusted Healers is the name of the book, Trusted Healers. Um, and uh, it, it has three major tenets, um, healthcare. And it talks a lot about primary care, questions you should ask your doctor, what we learn from leaders around the world in the best performing healthcare system. It talks about leadership and what does leadership look like and what we found out, um, a number of things. But these great leaders that made a difference in healthcare, they started by asking a question. And what, what a great lesson that is for us as entrepreneurs and people that you're reaching. Start by asking the question. Don't start with the answer but start by asking a question and see where that takes you. And so we, we have a strong tenet of, of leadership. And then this idea about societal change, how long does it really take for something to happen? What should we expect? Oftentimes we expect things to change very quickly. And, and unfortunately they don't, they don't, they take time and there's good reason for it. I'll, I'll give you w one example. Uh, 1968, Martin Luther King was shot 40 years later. Barack Obama is president of the United States. Uh, 1928, there was a movie called Wings. It was talked about aviation and flight. And then if you go 40 years later, we put a man on the moon uh, from, from that. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid, that came out in the late 60s, 65, Linda Baines Johnson, 40 plus years later. Uh, the opioid challenge that we have, the, we're, we're now about 30, 35 years from when opioids came out. We're now realizing just what they've done and how addictive they've been and the challenges that we face. And so what can we learn from looking at societal change? And one of the things I talk about now is for, for your listeners, be careful this vaping thing. You know, what, what have we learned about cigarettes? What, what have we learned about some of these challenges in our society, including um, opioids and, and uh, some of the aspects of, of heroin and, and uh, you know, it's just, um, uh, it's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for society because we don't learn and change as quickly as people think we do. And so consequently, I write about that in the book saying, how long does it take? What should you look for? And how do we actually have systemic change? So the book's about healthcare, leadership, and societal change. Dan, harpering, harpering in on that a little bit more, talking about, because I know you, you've done some lecturing at Western Kentucky with applied leadership. So for you, what would you say are the essential characteristics that every leader, every successful leader needs to have? Yeah, so f f I think there's a couple of things. One, you, you have to be authentic. You, you have to be authentic to yourself. I think we all know when someone shows up and maybe we're not sure that their intentions are the same as what we'd like them to be. So your intentions have got to be honorable, right? So you, t tell me why you believe in what you're doing and, and does that passion, does that commitment go forward? And I think all of us would, uh, would relate to people that have impacted our lives that we follow. They have great passion and compassion for what they're doing and they're authentic to what that looks like. I would also say that rhetoric matters. I think you have to pay very close attention to what you say and what you write. Uh, I would offer this to your listeners. Uh, today, people 
will be on social media, uh, different types of social media. And they might write something in, in, in a moment that they're frustrated with something, or it's maybe not who they are, but they, they had to write it, or they send a picture out about something. You know, this stuff lives on forever. It isn't just what you say, but it's how you present. You are your brand. You are your brand. And, and people can see that. And if you want to be a leader, then you need to be above reproach here. You, you need to uh, be in a position where people search on you. They, they see what kind of leader you are because it lives on. And it isn't the, the moment when you're giving a speech, but it's how it, it, it lives on. So I, I think that's very important, the, the actual rhetoric. And I think it also is important for how you make decisions and how you build judgments. Do you listen to people? Do you bring in other points of view? Do you synthesize so that you can take something that is confusing and challenging and maybe shows conflict, but you bring hope and aspiration and you lead to a better tomorrow? And if you can do those types of things with the right kind of skill sets, what you're trying to do, of being able to be authentic, be able to have how your language, how you present yourself, your brand matter, and how you bring people together, then you can earn the right to be a leader. And, and remember, you don't call yourself a leader. Other people call you a leader. Other people will call you a leader. That's, that's a mic drop right there. So how then does that translate, right? Because, you know, with you being a leader and a senior executive at IBM, how, how did those things translate over to being at a larger company? Because I know a lot of people, they're thinking, okay, I have to protect my brand, right? But they're just starting out or they, they're a startup, right? When you get to a level where, you know, the physical presence of an organization is so expansive, right? How do you take those exact same principles and apply them day by day over a group of people who then are looking to you, calling you the leader, ensuring that you continue to lead and guide in a successful manner? So I'm, I'm going to uh, give you a story. Uh, so it's, it's, it was Thanksgiving and family was, we haven't go out to dinner, which we seldom do. We would have usually Thanksgiving at home, but we went to a restaurant. It was a very nice restaurant. And uh, as it was typical, uh, you know, I was the last person to order. Uh, they would go round table. It was a round table that day. And in the waiter came over to me and he had a name tag and it said, Joey. And I looked at him and he didn't look like a Joey to me. So I, I just said to him, I, I said, I said, Hey, you know, Joey, huh? And he says, yeah. I said, I don't think your name's Joey. And he looks at me and says, well, you're right. My name's Oscar. I said, Oscar, how long have you been waiting on people on Thanksgiving? Cause wouldn't you be with your family? He says, well, 25 years. I said, do you have a family? And Oscar says, yeah, I'm married and I have two boys, one good, one not so good. And I said, well, will you celebrate Thanksgiving? And he says to me, he says, yeah, when I get home, it'll be late tonight, but we'll, 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 we'll celebrate. I said, Oscar, why do you do this? Why do you, why do you, why do you do this? And he looks at me and he says, blue skies, blue skies. And I realized what he was talking about. He has blue skies for his kids. He's, he's working on a better tomorrow for his kids. So I wrote that down. I wrote blue skies down on a card that I had, put it in my pocket. Now I'm walking out of the restaurant and, and he's really close by. And uh, 
I go over to him. I said, Oscar, you gave me an unbelievable lesson on this Thanksgiving. I'm so thankful for you. And he looks at me like, what are you talking about? I took out the card and I, it says blue skies. And I showed to him that I, I wrote down what he told me. He has a tear in his eye. He has a tear in his eye. And, and I, I then do to myself. Because this individual, by, by recognizing him, having that brief conversation, he then realizes he's important to me. And I realize how important he is to me back. And so no matter who you work for, no matter the size of the company, that you're a part of, no matter what your mission is, and mine was a $20 billion business globally, stop and talk to people, ask questions, learn from them, because that is where I believe the most important aspect of who we are. Where is the soul of who you are, what you're trying to do, and how you want to make changes? And if you can do that, people will follow you, and you can start to make the fundamental changes that you believe in as a leader. Don't walk by those people. Don't walk by Oscar. Don't walk by those individuals that are making a difference each and every day because they will teach you. They will help you be grounded in what you should do. And from there, I believe you can make your greatest contributions. Then yeah, that's powerful. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how things can, can come full circle. But, you know, as you were talking about that story, it reminded me of this quote that I saw on social media one day. And essentially it said, I was raised to treat the janitor with the same respect as the CEO, you know? And I think that that just meshes so well with that story you just said, you know, because a lot of people do overlook that, you know, and, and, and I can testament to that, that some of the best conversations that I've had are with strangers you know, so uh, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's, that's very powerful. And that leads me into uh, the next question that I have for you. you. You mentioned being able to stop and ask questions. Now, in, in the book, I realized that in Trusted Healers, you had the six questions that are essential, you know, when patients go to see their doctors. So yeah. the question that I have for you is, how did you go about comprising those questions and what was it about those questions that made you say these out of all the questions you could ask these are the most optimal to get the best result so i i i hope we're reaching your your listeners and if they buy the book it's great but if not it, it, it's on page 268 we actually have 10 questions and and these questions um are the questions that when people buy the book, they tear this page out and they, when they go see their doctor, they ask them. They're questions like, will your team let me know when screening tests are needed? Uh, will you remind me if I fail to get an appointment? And then you call and make sure that I, I come in and I go through these. These are the questions that when we talk to the healthcare systems, the best performing systems, this is what they did. And so we put those into questions. And, and from that, we put those into the book to say these are the most important questions that you should ask because these are the questions that they think are the most important that you should have. So that's what we have. We've got 10 of those questions and, and you mentioned six. I, 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 I do bring what I call six promises. Um, and, and, and the six promises that I talk about for leaders, 
learn to look for and judge goodness and harmony in people, in society, and in the events around you. Um, grasp the essence of every decision in your life or career. Create meaningful relationships, adding value and substance in your organization or those around you. Your words matter. Wise leaders understand political powers. Foster practical wisdom in others. And with that, these are promises that I make to you. I really like that. Especially, you know, just having that frank and open and, and transparent, right? I think, you know, as people kind of read the book and again, to the listeners, um, if you do go get it, make sure you go get it, right? Um, but just to have that level of transparency so that people can understand where you're coming from, right? I think that's one of those lost um, moments, I'll say, where a lot of people just look at healthcare and think to themselves, okay, this is just this transactional thing that's going to occur and then I'm going to get a bill from some company, you know, months down the road and they're going to say, you know, yep. like it's 10, 10 grand for two hours of healthcare, um, which is insane. Let me ask you one last question. When it comes to, and this is more of an overall thing, right? And speaking more to, to the character of what you would consider to be successful and motivational individual in any facet, um, specifically in healthcare, but it can be in any facet, right? What character, what characteristics do you look for, especially, um, you know, when looking to, let's say, hire somebody to be in a position, you had the unique opportunity to be in a position where it's like, most, you, you are the only person that did not have a healthcare degree or right. certificate, right? Um, so what characteristics do you look for and what characteristics did you look for when looking to bring people onto your team so that you can be able to enact your vision and make it a reality? Yeah, what a, what a wonderful, what a wonderful question. And, you know, I, I actually believe that uh, what I'm about ready to tell you, uh, every great uh, coach that recruits looks for the same thing I, I, of the best performing teams, I think, um, definitely. And, and that's a level of sincerity to what the, the mission is and, and what we need to do. And, and so, and, and then being authentic to being who you are and what your skill sets are, and then being a team player. So those, those aspects. And, and so um, I was very fortunate to be with great people. So Dan, I want to I wanna ask you something, and this is just uh, for the listeners to get a, a better idea, you know, of, of who is Dan, you know, what, what, what's really important to you and matters. So you, you've done a lot, you've accomplished a lot, and you've impacted many people. And so a question that I, I want to know, just a personal question that I want to ask, you know, when, when everything's said and done and and you can't give any more, what do you want people to say about you? What do you want the legacy of Dan Polino to, to be? Well, I, I do, I hope I made people better. I, I hope I help people realize their, their aspirations, um, their life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And if I can make people better, then um, I feel like, uh, I've made a contribution and I've left the world uh, better. And if it's talking to somebody whose name is Oscar to 
being able to work with great leaders to develop policy for better health care, to going on Dr. Oz to try and reach people that might have mental and behavioral health issues and change their life that way, or write a book just to celebrate um, what the book's about. So thank you for asking me that. Yes. Thank you for thank you. sharing that as well. Um, Carl, I think you had a question. I was going to ask, and, and this is this is my last question for you, Dan, but I was going to ask, what does, for for you, out of everything that you've done so far, what would you say has been your most fulfilling moment? Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not sure I've had the most fulfilling moment yet. You know, I've had some great experiences uh, and it hasn't been about me as an individual, but, but it's been how we fundamentally changed healthcare. And we, we brought a different thought, this idea of the continuum of care to center healthcare around patients. Um, I, I actually think the most important thing I do is what I do every day by saying hello to someone and talking to them, um, independent of who I am and, and what I, I bring forward. I'm, look, I, I, was an, uh, I, I was a paper boy and an altar boy. I was an altar boy for six years. I thought I was gonna be a priest. Um, I I believe in things that make a difference, you know, and, uh, and, and I was taught just like what you mentioned earlier, you know, you say hello and you talk to everybody, everybody's important in this thing. Everyone matters. I've believed that ever since I was a little kid. And so in everything that I've ever done, I hope I brought forward that, that everyone matters. And, and, and I try and be true to that every day. I try and be that. Uh, and, and, and if that's my greatest accomplishment, I think I have to earn it every day. I think I have to earn that every day. And I appreciate you asking me that question. Man, uh, thank you. Seriously, thank you for making the time, you know, to, to, to come speak with us and, and to be able to provide value to not only our listeners, but to us. You know, we, we definitely are grateful that we've been able to cross paths and, and been able to set up this episode because I think it's an episode that when we look back, it's going to be, one of the most powerful ones that we've had, you know, so just for me and Paul, thank you for making the time to come on. It's, it's well, thank you guys. You know, it, 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 you guys are so sincere. You guys are so real. Uh, you make it not only easy, but uh, for your listeners, you, you all are a gift. Uh, what, what you bring forward to the people that, um, that give you their time and their attention. And it's a wonderful gift that you bring to them. And I'm, I'm honored to have been with you and have this very sincere and authentic conversation. And maybe just, maybe we touched somebody, you know, maybe just, maybe we made a difference. And, and the reason that I think the three of us do what we do is because everyone matters. We're, we're trying to reach people and, and make their lives better, you know, and it's been an honor to be with the two of you. Thank you. Of course, of course. So Dan, before we let you go, for anyone who, you know, they're listening and they're like, this is their first time being exposed to you and they'd like to connect with you or uh, chat, what would be some social media information or just some uh, general contact information that you would want to leave with them? Well, you, you can reach me through our website, everyonemattersonline.com. Uh, so you can reach me there. And then you can follow me on social media. You know, I'm on all the normal things that everybody else is. So you can find me at Dan Polino. And it's very easy to find me there. 
I don't know if there's another Dan Polino or not, but you just go search on me and it'll, it'll come up and you can find me. And if there's something I can do to help somebody or they want to reach out and have a conversation, I'm always honored to do that. So thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Paul, do us the honors of talking to the people about texting us before we wrap up. That is correct. That is correct. Fans, listeners, everybody in YouTube land. Listen, um, clearly you know what time it is. We're going to talk to you guys about shirts. Um, as you can see, I have the gray one on today because I just wanted to look different. Carl has a black one on. As always, we have the white ones available as well. All you have to do to get yours is text the word shirt to 321-384-6275. Again, if you're taking notes, that's 321-384-6275 to get yours. You can also get them customized as well. We made that option available now. Um, so, you know, just hit us up and uh, we'll, we'll make sure we take care of you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Paul. So to our lovely listeners, this episode was amazing. You guys cannot deny that. So please share out this episode. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review, a five-star review, might I add. We love those. Um, but seriously, you know, we, we appreciate you guys for making the time to listen to us and take into perspective the things that we have to say and the things that, that Dan had to say and that he shared. And until next time, peace, many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.